When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast. Your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Young's no longer sick and can think clearly and speak clearly, joined by Christian Bollet. As always, two huge abs wins in the books, an eight to four win over the Montreal Canadiens and a two to one shootout win over the Toronto Maple Leafs has pushed the abs once again, back into the conversation for winning the Central. But we're going to have to start it off with the negative. Arturi Lekkinen breaks his finger, scoring a goal in his return to Montreal. And we don't have a definitive timeline, but I would be very shocked to see him back in the regular season. If you talk about a player that you can least afford to lose, I think it's a toss-up between... uh Bow and Lecky. Yeah. Because Out, those two the, outside of like yeah, the superstars. Outside of the superstars, those are your two most important players. Um, so losing Lecky when he's playing, he's been playing great hockey all year. I mean, even in this game, he gets to 20 goals, sets a career high in points. Yeah, he's been at that for a while. He finishes the yeah. season. If he doesn't play again the regular season with 49 points, That's which brutal. is like God damn it. He had three points against the Habs, breaking his finger. He had three points against the Habs. He had the 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 goal that the first one that we thought was Logan O'Connor got overturned to him, didn't break it on that one. Then after he gets his tribute in Montreal, takes a shot from Miko Ranton off the hand on the power play that ends up in the net. Turns out that broke his finger, and he finishes the night with three points, gets to 20 goals, but seems like at what cost? Yeah. At what cost? Unfortunately, (laughs) that seems like it's where it's going to end with him. But if you told me that he'd finish the season with 20 goals and 49 points, I'd be pretty happy with that. But this stinks quite a lot. You've been without Gabe Landeskog your entire season, and now you're losing what's been basically your Gabe Landeskog replacement. So now you're just out of it entirely. Yeah, it's not great right now. Um, The good news is, is I, We'd both be shocked if he's not back for game one of the playoffs. I guarantee he will be back by, at the latest, game one of the playoffs. I mean, we saw several broken fingers last year in the playoffs where they have surgery. Like, Nazem Kadri was back for game four 
in the final after breaking it against Edmonton. Like Andrew Cogliano was back before that even. Even if he's not 100%, he will be back for game one. I mean, Bednar was obviously upset that he was hurt, but he didn't seem to think that it would be the kind of thing that would hold him out of the playoffs just based off of his general attitude about it. Probably the rest of the regular season, though. Probably the rest of the regular season. And it's very funny when you look at it because the Avs could potentially add back for game one of the playoffs. Gabriel Landeskog, Arturi Lekkanen, Josh Manson, Eric Johnson. Like that's that's four pretty fucking good players. Yeah. If you, you ask me, at, you look at all the guys they're missing right now. All the guys you just said: Lekkinen, Manson, Landeskog, that Johnson. They could be adding back Darren Helm. They might finally have a backup goalie for once too. With who knows? We don't even know what's going on with Frankie right now. Everything's still unknown. It seems at the moment. But if the Avs bring a lot of those guys back for the playoffs, they're going to be the deepest they've been all season. But it sucks to see Lekkinen. Go down, scored a goal, at least, if you're going to get hurt. Scored two. Yeah, scored two. I mean, he scored on that play. If you're going to get hurt, at least make it count. But that one's going to leave a hole for quite a bit. As a result, Dennis Mulgan is going to be getting quite a look in the top six. Evan Rodriguez up on the top line. And Alex Galchenyuk making his return to the avalanche against the Maple Leafs and played a grand total of three minutes in this game. Big spender. Big, big, big contributions from Alex Galchenyuk tonight. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be these last, this last month of the season is going to be a stretch. Like with the guys out potentially coming back, there's obviously still the potential for someone else getting hurt. <laughs> um, so I, it sucks losing Lecky. Um, the good news is, is it's not, it's not like one of those ones where it's like Landis Gog where you're like, ah, oh, maybe he can come back from it. It's like, okay, like we know what's happened. He had surgery today. Um, he's going to be okay. It's just, it sucks. It's a gut punch. Yeah. I mean, they knew what to do right away. Like we knew right away it was a broken finger. They got him on a plane to Denver that night and had this surgery done as soon as possible to get him back or as close to 100% as soon as possible before the playoffs. I mean, Unless they put a new finger on, even if he is 100%, I just don't see the point in risking it before the playoffs, especially if you're locked in at a certain point, maybe for the last like two games at most, but I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I don't see it happening either. So we're talking game one, lucky back, which still would be great. Um, it's just he could have had 25 goals this year. He could have. He's, he's been so consistent all season long, even when the abs haven't been playing great and he hasn't been scoring. He's always been a bright spot on this team. I mean, he's absolutely one of the best moves that Sackick and McFarland have ever made. And again, the fact that we have him, I'm going to say it again on this contract for five years as an RFA didn't even want to walk to UFA is so unbelievable. And could have been a lot worse, but sucks to be losing him for one of the most important stretches of the season. I guess we should just ask the question, is it still possible to win the Central when you're missing this many guys? You're missing Landeskog, and now you're missing who's basically been Landeskog light all season? Um, If you would have asked me five hours ago before this Leafs game, I would have said yes. But with the performance tonight against the Leafs, I, I think anything's possible. Yeah, like, I think I'm in um, complete agreement with that. If you told me that before the Leafs game, I say this is probably going to take you out of it. After that Leafs game, where they hold the Leafs to the least amount of shots the Leafs have had in the regular season, 
and under 20 shots on the game. Perfect defensive performance, holding them to only 18, blocking what seemed it says 12 felt like way more than that. At least this was their best shot blocking game of the season without question. After that game, like it's, it's still on. That is a huge win. And that was probably your hardest game left. Right. Like that was a massive win. Um, So I I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibilities with Lekkonen out. I give it maybe a, I'm going to say a 49% chance they do it. Yeah. I think for me at very least, Finish ahead of Minnesota. I think that is my realistic goal. If you finish ahead of Dallas and you win the Central, that's awesome. But I'm really not going to be overly concerned about it. And even then, even if you don't finish ahead of Minnesota and you're going to Minnesota to start the playoffs, it's not that big of a deal either. I mean, it's not the same home team that it was last year for the Avs where they were just so unbelievably dominant on home ice. Sometimes the Avs have been a little better on the road this season. And even still, we've seen teams like Tampa go on the road for every playoff series and be completely fine. As long as you're playing good hockey, it's it's not going to matter. And we'll get to the games in a second, but it kind of seems like it's shaping up to be Minnesota at this point, doesn't it? Unless Dallas falls off or we go ahead of Dallas, or if Minnesota just never loses again, they're down 3-1 to the Blues right now, but they're on a 13-game point streak. Kind of seems like it's shaping up to be Minnesota. I would be shocked if it's not Minnesota, Yeah, honestly. Um I mean, it's you're talking maybe you fall into the wild card, which I doubt yeah. that. Yeah, with I doubt the, it. With the schedule we have, I just don't see it. Yeah, that, that's what makes me think the Avs can go and get the central because the schedule they have is not difficult. Yeah. Dallas really- isn't Dallas isn't hard either. But if the Avs play like this for the rest of the season, they can win a lot of games. Yeah, yeah agreed. But I, I still think with Lekin and out, Landis Cog out, like the fact that we're in this position, considering all these injuries we've had is impressive. Um, but it eventually it, it's going to catch up to you. Like yeah. eventually it will. I'd argue it did a while ago. Yeah, but. it did, but it's still like now you just add more to it. Yeah. So it's just I mean, the fact that the abs right now are in striking distance is fine enough. And yeah. if they finish second or third in the central, but they go to the Stanley Cup final, I don't really think it matters all that much where they finished in the regular season. It just matters you putting yourself in a good enough spot. And I think this team would do just fine on the road. Oh yeah, I think they've been better on the road than they have at home this yeah. year. So for whatever reason, but sometimes that's just the case. You have a great home year one year, and then next year you're amazing on the road. It's just yeah. how hockey works sometimes. Yeah. So, but let's get into these games because the Arturi Lekkinen injury was was a damper on what was a dominant performance against the Canadians. Um, the Avs win eight four. It really wasn't as close as the score indicates. Wow. Like. Uh, like the abs just kicked the shit out of the Canadians and that's what you're supposed to do. Uh, you're supposed to beat teams like that. The Canadians literally, I think like three fourths of their roster was from the AHL in this game. Yeah. I haven't heard of half of these guys, if I'm being yeah. completely honest. So you did what you're supposed to poor Jake Allen. Like that dude was left out to dry in this game um, because yeah, the abs, it was early. They got it going. Uh, you, you get, uh, you get, was it Arturi Lekin who scored the first one off of yeah. off of Logan O'Connor? We thought it was Logan O'Connor. Yeah. It was a great shot, but just grazes it off of Lekin. And three minutes in, the Avs have the one nothing lead, and it was just an avalanche the rest of the way. Good pun. Good pun. I'd argue that sucked, but thank you. I'd give you credit. That was good. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was – I bet the uh, – I bet the uh, no goal in the first 10 minutes. Uh, I bet the under in this game. Yeah. 
that was uh, to show you we are not smart, which we've never claimed to be. Just just look at that that as the example because that's what we picked and it was uh, not great. Um, and then we probably get the like I wouldn't say it's the goal of the year for the Avs, but what Bo Byram did on this play to score was one of the prettiest goals we've had all year. That's probably the best goal of Bo Byram's career so oh, far. Yeah. I mean, just carves right through the Montreal Canadiens, finishes right past Jake Allen, 2 nothing Avs, six minutes into the game. Bo Byram's sixth goal of the season, which doesn't sound like a lot, but when you consider he didn't play half of it, it's pretty impressive. The Avs are getting a lot from the kid right now, and he – he definitely had his moments in this game as well, where you might want him to to keep it in check a little bit. But this first period for the Avs, they this game was over from here. Matt Nieto makes it three to nothing. First point for Lars Eller in his old building as an Av, his tenth assist of the season. Matt Nieto up to twelve goals on the season, and the fateful goal Arturi Lekkinen makes it four to nothing on the Ranton shot on the power play, but it deflects off of his hand and breaks his finger. That that that's the damper on this game, um, but you go up four nothing, uh, or excuse me, you don't go up four nothing into the first period. At the end of the first period, Josh Anderson gets a tip in to make it four one. It was very funny because I don't I think this may have been Alexander Georgiev's worst game of the year, but it, it just didn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> like, Georgiev was sub eight hundred in this yeah. game. He faced nineteen shots and stopped fifteen of them, and finished with a seven eighty nine, which made this game look a lot closer than it really was. I mean, the the Habs got to midway through the third period that you don't love. And the Garyanov goal could have been tracked a little better towards the end of the second. But we're talking about a goal that made it like 6-2, 7-3, and 7-4. Like, it literally did not matter at all that Georgiev was not on for this game because he was against Toronto, and you got all four points in these games. Right. It was uh it's just very funny because if we would have lost that game, we would have been like Yorgiev needs to sit out, he needs a break. But because you score eight times, it's no one really like no one even cares. When the power <laughs> when the power play goes three for three, it really does take a lot of the tension out of the game. Because if if you go 0 for three, then this game is a lot closer and you're talking about a five four win that you're sweating out because Yorgiev's having a bad night right. instead of an eight four trouncing. It was awesome. Like the the power play came to life. Um, three for three. They get another power play goal against the Leafs tonight. So power play seems to be coming back to life. Which is... I'm pretty sure they got five in a row, didn't they? Because the goal from McKinnon against Arizona was their last power play of the game, if I'm recalling right. I'm gonna say you're right, but I haven't looked at that, so yeah. I'm just gonna I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure it was from what I remember. So. From that to the first power play against the Leafs, after we complained about power play at the Avs score five in a row. Right. Right. So, I mean, that's just how it goes. Um, so, Miko gets his 43rd of the year, make it 5-1. And then another guy we talked about who we needed to see more out of uh, on the previous episode, JT Comper gets back on the score sheet. Uh, probably the easiest goal he'll score a year. Um, probably. but not a, not a particularly tough. We're saying that a lot for a lot of these right. goals. Because let's face it, the Habs did not really do the defense in this game or really anything resembling defense, which is why Jake Allen finishes with a 600 save percentage. And everyone is saying poor guy because he got left out to dry and Arturi Lekin and secondary assist with a broken finger on the JT Comfort goal. Cause he came back for the second period. It's six to one abs four minutes into the second period. 
the game was over. The there was no tension in this game. The only thing we were worried about was like just don't have someone get hurt, and lo and behold, someone got hurt. So yeah. <laughs> it was granted before that, but right. still. You're, you're but at six still, one. Even still, the this game got out of hand. The Montreal Canadiens are a prideful organization, I guess you could call it. This game got a little chippy down the stretch. The I totally just blanked on Gooley. Gooley got into it with Nathan McKinnon a little bit after selling a call late in the second period. He gets shoved by McKinnon and then uh, put in a headlock by Jack Johnson. Tough look for the kid who finished with his minus three in this game. The Habs did score on the power play to make it six to two. You go into the third period. Nathan McKinnon keeps up his goal streak, hits 29 on the season with another power play goal and great goal. But what are any of the Habs doing? <laughs> I don't team? know. They are all just watching Nathan McKinnon absolutely torch their poor goalie. Yeah, it was very funny. I mean, McKinnon made that look easy. I, I love the tweet. I forget who tweeted. It's like, this looks like uh, a beer league going up. Like that That was beer league defense uh, yeah. because it was, there was no, no defense played on this play. And they were on the PK too. It's not like this was an even strength goal. Yeah. Like, you should be ready to play defense, but McKinnon just carves right through the entire team at this point. And was it after this that the the Byram quote unquote fight was, or was it after the Habs goals? Because I'm having trouble placing it. I think it was after this McKinnon goal. Yeah. So there's a little stretch of time where I think it was what's his name Pizzetta has a play I don't like on Sam Gerard where he's trying to basically chuck him into the boards. Byram doesn't like it, checks him back. And Pizzetta, who is upset that his bad team is getting blown out, starts a fight. And Byram drops the gloves and then I think realizes, wait, why am I doing this again? And very quickly ties that up. I mean, it was a perfect fight for Bo Byram. Yeah. No punches thrown, no punches landed. Perfect but, fight. But still message sent that you're not going to take that shit. Yeah. So it's like you're not you're not going to change his instincts. That's just how Bo Byram is wired. He's not going to back down from a fight, especially when he's defending a teammate, because it doesn't get talked about. But like Gerard very easily could have been hurt if Pizzetta lands that hit, if he wasn't just throwing with emotions, if he was actually trying to throw that hit, not just being blinded by frustration. But Byram, it's hard to argue with him on this and he didn't get hurt. He didn't really have to fight. So it's fine. And it's just, this is how it's going to be his whole career. It's just the way he he's wired and it's, it's going to help us so long as he stays healthy. Yeah. And I, like I said, it was a perfect fight for him. I know Bednar doesn't want him fighting, but he sticks up for his teammate. No repercussions from that fight. He serves five minutes. Honestly, at that point in the game, I was like, good, keep Obama off the ice for yeah, five he, minutes. <laughs> I, no, I think he got thrown from the game entirely. No, no, he stayed in. They originally called it 10, and then they gave him five. Huh. Well, it's yeah. still, yeah. Good enough, right? Yeah. You kept him off the ice for five minutes in a game where it was getting a little chippy. I, I was totally fine with that. Yeah. And after that, I mean, the Habs, they get two here, and you could – I, I was forced to watch NHL Network, which takes it off ESPN. So the Habs broadcast was getting a little, uh, you know, maybe they cut the lead to three with 10 yeah. minutes left. And Val Nachushkin laughs, gets an, another power play goal set up by Kale McCarr, his 13th of the season. It's 8-4 Colorado. If there was any doubt, it's gone at that point. They run it out the rest of the way. I mean, this is this is how you want a game against the Habs to go. I was worried that the Habs would do what they did the next night against the Penguins and scrap out a game and make it really close. The Habs won the next night in Pittsburgh, by the way, after being very funny, 
after being down two to nothing, they win that game five to four, which should probably have Tristan Jari benched for the rest of the season. But the Habs have been a tough team that likes to play spoiler. So great for the Habs to go on the road to Montreal and stomp them out early. There was no shot of anything in this game. I mean, it, this game was not as close as the score eight, indicates. Eight to four makes it look like it was this shootout. I mean, Georgiev did not have a good night. I don't no. think I don't think there's any two ways about that. But you also didn't need him to, so it didn't. Right. Matter. He, 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 we were up seven to two when he gave up two softies. You know, oh no. I was honestly hoping that it would be a uh, 10-1 win like they did to us back yeah, in like, 2016. Yeah, I was hoping, especially when we were up like 6-1 to one in the second. I was yeah. like, let's get to 10. Dallas just got to 10. Let's let's have the more recent one. And also, haven't forgotten the 10-1 a couple of years ago in this right. rebuilding. Right. Like I was hoping for that. It, it wasn't to be – it basically felt like 10-1, but the, the Canadians got a couple softies, and it makes the score look a little closer than it actually was. But uh, – Overall, they took care of business. That's what we needed them to do. They got two big points. And then that set up the game that I think both you and I have predicted. Like, if we lose this game, it's not the end of the world. Like, yeah. you look at this road trip and you go, okay, if you lose this one, like, that, that that's okay. Um, lo and behold, this was arguably one of the best games the Avs have played all year. Defensively, defensively, this probably was the best game they've played. When you consider the opponent and what they did to them and the kind of star power that's on the ice, to hold the Toronto Maple Leafs to 18 shots in a game that includes overtime, it's phenomenal. They completely shut the Leafs down. You look at the heat maps of this game, Toronto barely even touched the front of the net. It was it was a perfect defensive game. Um, and it makes you wonder, you just go like, this has been inside of them all year. Like, you know that they have this inside of them. And that's what gives me a little bit of like, when you have a bad performance, I'll just look back on games like this and it will either be the demise of this team or we'll laugh at the fact that if they go and win another Stanley cup, that we were freaking out about losses to New Jersey and the Kings. Yeah. I mean, when you really look at it over the last couple of weeks, the good performances are starting to outweigh the bad ones, right? The devils, you had a sloppy game against Dallas Sometimes you just have a game where you, no one is there and nothing works for you and you just get crushed. It's going to happen. But now that we're starting to get removed from it and we're on another three-game win streak where a lot of the details have been dialed up and a big deal has been made after this game that in the last three combined games, the Avs have given up 58 shots where they have really locked it down, especially after the first period against Arizona. They've played almost damn near perfect defense the whole way. I mean, it took... 38 minutes against the Montreal Canadiens for the Habs to have as many shots as the Avs did goals at that right. point, which was six to six at that point. And especially early in this game uh, against the Leafs, the Leafs got the first goal off the stick of Morgan Riley off of a pretty bad coverage by Evan Rodriguez. It's the only mistake they made defensively all night. And even before that, I thought the Avs were playing great. And then they controlled the play. The rest of the way, I mean, that this is how you beat the Toronto Maple Leafs. You just turn the game into playing on mud and slowing this game down to a screeching halt. They played perfect system tonight. I loved what they did because the defensemen were super aggressive on the blue line in their own zone. Um, they didn't let the Leafs get out in transition. Sure, you leave yourself open to the odd man rushes, but the Avs defensemen have the speed to get back into plays if something like that happens. So I thought that was a genius strategy by Bednar. Um, it, it worked out really well for him in this game. And 
this game could have easily like the abs could have won this game like four one like they could have but the defense in these past couple games has been the defense we saw last year in the playoffs yeah this was a team that is responding to poor defensive effort that they've had in the last couple of games these kind of games are attention to details and being bought into the system. This is what it's supposed to look like with this team. And you add Josh Manson back into that mix. You add Gabe Landeskog back into that mix. You put Darren Helm even back into that mix, a more defensively minded forward. And it could look even better. I mean, this team knows that they can do this, and which is why it gets incredibly frustrating when they have those performances against the Devils and against the Stars, where it's just like, we know you can do this. Why do you stop doing it? But then against the Leafs, one of the more dangerous offensive teams in the league they just they completely shut it down and i think they probably should have won this game in regulation finishing was a pretty big problem tonight the leafs are still a good team that played well defensively as oh, well yeah. and samsonov had a great night for them but i really loved how they played this game I and mean, this is how you have to win in the playoffs as we saw yeah it's how you have to win and i still think the leafs are a really good team but i think the book's kind of out on them on how you stop them it's if you have the defenseman capable to do it, that's how you stop. It's the same thing with the abs though. Like the, the books, if you can clog up the game in the neutral zone against the abs, you're, you're going to win the game. Yeah. But, but over the years, the abs have done a really good job at being able to respond to that, especially right. as Kale McCarr has grown and Nathan McKinnon and Miko Ranton. I think they've designed a lot of their system to be able to, to break through a lot of that. Right. And it was, like I said, that's the frustrating part for me about this team. It's like you have games like this where you you're perfect. It's absolutely perfect. And then there'll be games like, would you not be shocked tomorrow if it's like defensive breakdown after defensive breakdown against Ottawa? Yeah. I mean, like, you, you can just never know what this team, I think they'll right. be tomorrow, but against the Leafs, I mean, there's really nothing to complain about. The only negative I had in this game was Evan Rodriguez who had a who had a pretty tough night, who was kind of responsible for the first goal for Morgan Riley being wide open. Fans on a wide open net in the first period after a great setup and takes, I think, two separate penalties in this. The second game. one was bullshit, though. Second one was complete and utter bullshit. I mean, that is the it's the worst penalty in the league where a guy is standing completely still on the blue line on the power play and a guy runs into him where Rodriguez is actively moving out of the way because he knows what's coming and they call him for interference when that that's his ice. He's just standing there waiting for the play to get onside. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get it either. It was, it's the worst. I mean, it's happened. Like I haven't seen it happen in a lot of other games. Maybe it's just because I'm watching it in the abs, but it always seems to happen to the abs. Like yeah. they've had Kale McCarr called for it twice. And now Evan Rodriguez called for it. Like, it's just brutal. Like it's such a, such a stupid penalty. Um, because like, what, what are they supposed to do? There's, like, he literally did everything he could do. He tried to get out of the way. I mean, what's he supposed to do? Go off sides. Yeah. Well, but like, and the worst thing was, is that happened. And then I think there was a more egregious one that could have been a penalty on the abs on a separate power play in the, the third period. Doing power play for yeah. the avalanche. The very next one they had the same thing happened and it didn't get called. It didn't get called. It makes no sense. Like it, it goes back to that thing we've said about officiating where it's, um, game management they want to keep these games close in penalties because the thing was is i think they missed a brutal brutal well they missed two calls they missed that trip in the third period on marner um and then they missed that delay a game call yeah. like it, it's just i get the abs had all the power play chances but if the other team's committing penalties 
you call the fucking penalties. It, it, you can't argue that the Avs didn't deserve them. The Leafs were being very undisciplined in this game. The Avs probably should have had way more than five. The, the, the delay a game one at the end, like that is ridiculous. The puck went over the glass. That is a penalty. It's, it, I don't care if the shouldn't be that way. It is a penalty by the rule book. So I don't get it. I don't get it either. Oh, God damn. The wild just tied the game. Fucking Jordan. Bennington. Um, Never but on Bennington to do anything. Yeah. But I, I know that the, they're talking about it in the league meetings of those plays should be reviewable. It, it's, I think the only reason why it wasn't called is because the puck landed in the Leafs bench. I think they just missed it or they just didn't care. Because the thing is, like, if it goes over the glass, then it's a penalty. I'm fine with those things being reviewed as long as there's, like, a clock on it. Like, if you have to stare at it for five minutes to break down every single minutia of it, then the call should just stand. But if it's like that, it's like, okay, the puck went over the glass, 15-second review, delay a game penalty. Like, that that should be it. Should be, but it's not. It won't be. So, It'll be it, it, it was tough because I, I get it. You don't want to mire the the – uh, Leafs and penalty kill, but if they're committing penalties, you have to fucking call them. So, I mean, the Avs didn't get called. They had what two kills tonight or three? They had three. Yeah. So it was end up being like five three, I think, in power play chances. It was uh, five. It was five to three. I mean, you had the the new hook, the new hook hook on Mar. That's a tongue twister. The <laughs> Rodriguez high stick on Brody where he got him in the helmet, and then the ridiculous interference against Kerfoot that Kerfoot initiated. Right. Like it's setting the standard where it's like, okay, if you're a defense defensive player on the PK and you see a guy standing, you need to just vault yourself into him. Dude, Jordan is awful. My God. I mean, it's great radio to have this show constantly interrupted, but the wild have just scored three unanswered goals for a team that hasn't been able to score in like three weeks. Thanks. Piece of blues. Why'd we count you for anything? Um, what were we talking about? I was talking. We were talking about the interference <laughs> penalty. Oh I, yeah. I was gonna say like the the standards already been set that if you just run into the guy at the blue line, you'll get the penalty, and yeah. you'll just get a free power play out of it, which I I just think is ridiculous. Yeah, it's stupid, but yeah, I mean, it was it was tough. I mean, you can't say the Avs pen, power play was super great tonight. They get that one from Miko, and it was honestly lucky it went in. It bounced it off very the lucky. bounced off the Leafs player and went in the net. So you end up going one for five. Um, I thought they created some chances. Uh, but... I, thought the, I thought the Leafs just did a good job on the penalty. Yeah. I mean, I thought this was just a really good defensive hockey game from two really good teams. And we got a very good chess match out of it. I mean, me and you were texting back and forth towards a very late game. Like, yeah, we've been we've probably been the better team so far. But the Leafs only need one chance. Like this was a very intense hockey game. That overtime I also thought was fantastic as well. Oh, and here we go again with Jordan Bennington talking to the wild bench because, you know, he's giving up three straight goals on three straight shots. Oh, my God. Uh, brutal. My, um, favorite, my favorite theater. But anyway, before we get distracted again. Yeah. The, the I I was not feeling great because I felt like the have squandered a lot of opportunities in this game. They did. I, this had to be the high of missed shots for the abs in this game. Like they missed the net probably 10 times in this game. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's been a couple of games where they have whiffed on some chances, but definitely in that third period, especially with the power plays that they had. I mean, they had two early in the third period with the bunting high stick on comfort 
McKinnon drawing that that trip on David Kampf, they had some chances, and I, I thought they were really going to come back to bite them once the Leafs were going to get what I thought was going to be an inevitable second goal just on a, a broken play. But the Abs, the defense held strong the whole way, and Devon Tays had probably one of his best defensive games of the season. Kale McCarr was making some fantastic reads, and another guy, I mean, Sam Girard had a pretty strong night as well again. He just continues to play really fucking good hockey, man. And he's just been rock solid ever since probably the beginning of February. He's just been rock solid. Um, So defensively, it was a masterpiece game. I think the Avs had what, like they kept saying on the broadcast, the Avs had like seven odd man rushes in this game and not scoring on a single one's a little tough, but I think they only gave up like two to the Leafs, which. And even then they weren't that dangerous. There was a couple of times where, a player like Makar or Taze would really break up uh, an odd man chance. Like they were reading plays and they were reading them fast. I mean, there's been sometimes the Avs have not been up for games. They were definitely up for this game. And they, oh yeah, they were fully engaged. Yeah, they read the Leafs offense perfectly. I mean, there was a couple of chances for Marner, Nylander, and Matthews. I mean, Matthews had five shots on goal, but I don't think any of them were particularly like super dangerous. No. He, he kept him in check, and usually Matthews is an abs killer. Like That dude always scores against the abs. He always does. So to keep him on, I mean, you, you hold him to five shots, and it really wasn't until late in the third that the Leafs finally got some chances because most of that third period, the abs were just stifling them, That's exiting good. the neutral zone. That's where I was getting worried. There was one after the missed delay of game call where I was like, holy shit, here we go. They're going to yeah. score with like a minute left and we're going to not get a single point after that. I think I texted you saying, if we get a point out of this, I'll be happy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think we said that last episode. That if you get a point against Toronto, that's absolutely a win. And you end up getting two because you drag this game into being a slog through the mud and force the Leafs to play in their defensive end and rely on their transition game, which the Avs are just flat out better at and drag this game to overtime. Honestly, like it wasn't the most high event overtime. This might have been the most entertaining overtime I've seen all season. It was very like cerebral. It almost felt like a chess match where the first team to make a mistake was going to lose. And yeah, this was one that deserved 10 minutes. Yeah, It deserved 10. And the Avs should have won it in overtime. Like Val, I don't know how that puck bounced over his stick on that. Such a, I don't, such a bad I don't know how it did. Yeah, usually I'm all over the the player for not getting that. Like that's just bad luck. Like that yeah, like, right over his stick, right over his stick, because uh, he had a wide open cage. Um, I thought it was interesting in this overtime that Malgan got a shift in overtime and not Newhook. We are we talked about the Newhook um, kind of thing earlier in the earlier in the episode, but I thought it was interesting Malgan got a shift. Yeah, I mean Newhook's just kind of been in. I don't want. I don't want to say the doghouse, but he's getting less and less minutes over time. Pretty much ever since Eller was acquired, but I think Mulgan was. You're kind of hoping on some magic at that point against his former team. Like you never know with the Leafs. Sometimes they're famous for giving up goals against players that they've like very recently traded away. I Man, I I bet on Mulgan anytime goal scorer, which my fault, you know. I also bet on the I bet on the over in this game after being <laughs> on the under against the Habs. You know, shows what I know. But even still, I mean, Morgan had a pretty strong game tonight. He's getting minutes in the top six with Lekkinen out. The Habs came close in overtime. The Leafs, I, they came kind of close. I didn't think they were too dangerous. They had that one two-on-one chance. Yeah, they had the and one, then that one breakaway, one. they hit the post. Yeah. 
And then game goes to a shootout because, you know, when things are getting too tense, just remove all the tension, have it rely on luck. Goes the abs way this time. Great goaltending by Georgiev in the shootout. And Nathan McKinnon nets the shootout winner. And the abs get a massive, massive two points in Toronto. Hey, everybody. Hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. NBA fans, it's time to bring back the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat, same-game parlay every day. All you have to do, go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt-in, and place in a same-game parlay on any NBA game, and if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. I'm not going to pretend to be a basketball guy, but those Denver Nuggets... They're looking like some free money right now. If you want to get in on the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, you can download the app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void in Ohio. See show notes for details. Now, Back to the episode. If you're you're Georgiev, I don't think there's three better players you can stop on a shootout. Yep. <laughs> you stop Nylander, use Martyr. Yeah, like that's three pretty good goal scorers. Um, and neither of I, I don't think any of them really came close. Like honestly, honestly I thought they did a terrible job. I thought yeah. those were horrible shootout attempts. For yeah, them. but Georgiev, he forced them to do it. He did not give them any openings and forced them to make pretty weak shootout moves. And the Avs get out of Toronto with a big two points. And Nathan McKinnon just powers that one through Samsonov. Yeah, it was almost a changeup. Like he put it right in the seven hole. Um so like you said, massive, massive two points. We were both very wrong about uh how that game would go. Uh I just didn't think just off of previous track record with how the Avs have played against other playoff teams, it hasn't been great these past couple weeks. Um lo and behold they play one of their best defensive games of the year. Georgiev's rock solid. Um and now you're looking you have two more. I, do you call Ottawa a winnable game? It's a winnable game. I mean, Ottawa's not the the layup that they used to be, but they're in the playoff race right now. They just added Jacob Chikrin to the team. They're a team that very much can put up a ton of goals on you, but that is still very much a winnable game. Yeah, very winnable. I mean, I, their goalie is Sogard because I think Cam Talbot's hurt and Anton Forsberg's hurt. So it's it's not great for them in goal uh it leads to the question with the abs is do you start georgiev in this game or do you give jojo a shot um i know you're thinking you start georgiev i think you start jojo in this game i think you treated these two games as if you win one you're happy uh so i think you give georgiev that break and you give him three days off before his next start against detroit yeah i mean i'm perfectly fine with that but i mean it i think it does depend on the wild result tonight i mean if the Blues manage to stop a beach ball and score a few more goals to win this game over Minnesota, then I don't know. You need these points. And JoJo, I mean, has he played? I don't remember him playing this season, has he? He has not played this season. No. Why is it not Kincaid? I don't understand this one. Like, why you made the trade for Kincaid, but it's, it's JoJo coming up and playing right now. I, I don't get it either, but... I mean, 
if there's ever a time for Jojo to play, it's now. But also, Georgiev didn't face a ton of shots in this game, but it also went to a shootout. I imagine it'll be up to him. If he feels good enough to go, then maybe Bednar will let him go. But he's played a lot, and this is a lot more than he's ever played in his career. Well, and it's that thing where it's like, if Georgiev gets hurt, this the season's over. Like, it's it's over. <laughs> like, it, you can like write it over, but it's that's the dangerous part. I just, I think you have to go JoJo in this game, man. I I really do. I, yeah, I, I I think you have to trust him. Um, if you give the type of defensive performance as the Blues score to tie the game, um, if you give this type of defensive performance you gave against the um, Leafs, JoJo can win you this game. Yeah. He can. That's the thing, though, is that you need to have a stellar defensive performance against Ottawa, who's going to be rested. I believe they're not playing yep. tonight. And they, I mean, they've got some scorers on this team. Tim Stutzla has 34 goals, and Kachuk is almost at 30. Debrinket, I thought Debrinket would have more, but still a very threatening goal scorer. Claude Giroux. He got, he got hurt in that Edmonton game. Did he return for that game? I did not watch that game. So yeah, I he left the ice. I know that. Uh, he's still listed as being fine. I mean, I get all of my lineup information on cap friendly, which isn't right. always up to date. So I might get things wrong sometimes, but even still, I mean, Claude Giroux, he's almost at 30, which I believe he is not. I don't think he has he hit 30 in his career before. I think he did. I, once. I mean, he's, he's play, like this Ottawa team is, I think they're good. They're I think good. they are. I think but, next year they have a real shot at the play. They, they, they still kind of do right now, but this is, Pittsburgh's playing. I mean, they can catch them. Yeah. And I don't like they're a team you have to take seriously. They have a lot of talent on the ice. And if it's Matt Sogard, I think if it's Sogard in net, he's a young goalie who's sub 900. I, I think you do go Jojo. You, you take your chances against a younger goalie who might struggle against you and really hope you can get a strong defensive performance and that you can outscore your problems. Cause I mean, it's not a guarantee Giorgi Gibbs going to have another great night. He just played against Montreal and did not have a great game. Not a guarantee. Maybe you throw Jojo in there and the team rallies around it and you get a big, you, you outscore your problems. Right. And, and we've seen, I mean, in the games where the third or fourth or fifth string goalie, whatever it is for the ass at this point has, uh, has played outside of the, the devil's game where Ananim was kind of left out to dry, uh, they've played pretty well against the, like yeah. in front of these guys. So I, I think it's Jojo. Um, this is a tough game because I think if we would have lost against Toronto, I think it's maybe a different story, but this screams major letdown spot, like major letdown game. Uh, I think if you can get a point out of this game, I'd be happy. I mean, Ottawa is still in the race. I mean, they're a, a desperate team. They have two games in hand on the Islanders, and they're six points back for the final wild card spot. I mean, it's not a high chance they make the playoffs. They're behind Buffalo, Washington, and Florida, but they're still in the race. And if they want a shot, they need to win this game. It's going to be a desperate Ottawa team against the Avs on the second half of a back-to-back. It's unquestionable who the better team is. But I think this is going to be a tough game. I think the abs are going to come out on top because of the momentum from this game against the Leafs. I wouldn't be surprised if it gets dragged to overtime again, but I think the abs are, are going to find a way to get it done. Well, we beat them, what, seven to one the first time we played seven, them? I think it was seven to nothing. I don't think seven nothing. Anything. Yeah, like 
this Ottawa team, like and that game, I believe Frankie made some huge saves in that game. Like yeah. that game was it was it wasn't close, but it could have been like seven three if it wasn't for it could have been saves like, by it Frankie. Could have been like the Habs game. Yeah. So I I'm thinking they lose in overtime. I just think this is such a letdown spot for them. Like it's just a massive, massive letdown spot. So if they can get a point and you get five of six in Canada, I'm feeling pretty damn good. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with the line of thinking with that. I'm I'm going to err on the side of the abs have momentum right now and they're going to keep it up. And if Jojo's in that, I think, I think they're going to rally around that and they're going to have a strong defensive performance. I think it's going to be close. I wouldn't be shocked if it gets dragged overtime again. I mean, Ottawa is a good team. I think they've cooled off a bit lately. They've lost three in a row, I believe. Mm-hmm. They lost to they went they did the Western Canada trip and just got killed in it. They got beat 5-2 by Vancouver, 5-1 by Calgary, and 6-3 to Edmonton. They squeaked by Seattle 5-4 after they lost 5-0 to Chicago. So you're getting Ottawa on a bit of a downturn right now. This is not the team that a couple of weeks ago was rattling off win after win where they Scored like 12 goals in two games against. Oh, Detroit. Bennington's getting in a fight. Oh, boy. Oh, he got his helmet dragged off. Yeah. This mean I have to like a player on the wild now. Oh, man. It was Ryan Hartman. So it's two hateable people. Oh, boy. Oh, they're fighting. Oh, Flurry's fighting him. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, we got shit. a goal fight. No, let him go. Are let you him go. What are we doing fight? here? You're kidding me. I Let would... the goalies fight. That would have been great radio. Christian, this is my dream happening oh. in front of my eyes, and they've taken it from me. Oh, my God. That's the second goalie fight let the refs have stopped fight. this year. Let them fight. Oh, let, let, them fight. let them fight. Oh, this is bullshit. Oh, no. That sucks so much. Oh, let them fight. Ooh, oh. No fun. No fun. Oh my God, that would have been great radio, bro. I think it still kind of is, but that's that sucks. Let them go, man. Oh, I didn't even realize Bennington has a mullet right now. What a fucking douche. Oh man, Chris, oh, like you God, have to understand for me that these are the goalies that I talk about the most. And I let's be clear, I hate Jordan Bennington way more than Mark Andre Fleury, but I would. That would have been amazing to have that live. Oh, he hit him. I mean, it, okay. it's Ryan Hartman. Oh, he got good there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he got a good shot in with his back turned. Yeah. The, oh, please. The, oh, the Flurry was down there quick, dude. I mean, he got down there quick. The ref pushed Bennington down. The second he saw he hit Hartman, Flurry flew across the ice. I don't even remember what we were talking about anymore. Uh, we, we both said the abs were probably going to lose. Like you said, they're going to win overtime. I said they're going to lose. Yeah. Oh, that's well, bullshit, man. This whole situation is going to get sorted out. The The Wild did score on this. Yeah. Play. Jordan Bennington is bad. Oh, he got like all three of them on that punch. Yeah. Oh, he's such a bitch. Oh, fuck. Yeah. I don't like Mark Andre Fleury, but I would have loved to see that. Yeah. Oh, the refs. Why? I don't know who num- the number 96 lineman is, but like that's so lame. All you got to do is be like, oh, I couldn't control it. And you oh. have to clip for the ages. God damn it. That would have been great. Why do you stop that? That's the second goalie fight they've stopped this year. I don't know. There's probably some mandate from the league that they don't want goalies fighting, but like that's a golden opportunity right there. Anyway, I think, I think oh. we need to get this back on the rails here. Yeah. Okay. So, so back on point here, 
You got the Avs winning in overtime against the Senators. I got them losing yeah. in overtime. I just think it's a big I'm, I'm gonna say spot. I'm gonna say regulation. I'm gonna say regulation. Okay. I'm gonna say five to three. They win this game. With See, I think they, I think they lose five four in overtime. Okay, I like that. I mean, I agree. I agree with your line of thinking. I think they're gonna play good enough defense and outscore their problems in this. I hope. I hope you're right, but we'll see. And then we look ahead to Saturday. Oh, I forgot that was before Sunday. Yeah. Yep. To the Detroit Red Wings. It's an early game. Uh, they'll be playing at eleven o'clock our time or my time, one o'clock for you. Um, so that game, the Red Wings have cooled off tremendously. Uh, this is still going to be a fun game. I think Georgiev probably starts in that game, and Without I think I think the Abs win this game five two. I just Detroit is not playing the best hockey right now. Yeah, they they've cooled off significantly. You mix in a a very random win against Boston in there as well. They lose two to one to Nashville on Tuesday. They lost three two to Boston before they beat them five to three. They beat the Blackhawks, lose to Philly, and lose to the Islanders. Ever since they had those two huge wins against the Caps and the Rangers before the deadline, they have just been getting absolutely killed. Those two Ottawa games that they lost that I mentioned earlier got Tyler Bertuzzi traded and Philip Aronik traded. I mean, yeah. they're close, but they're not there yet. Still going to be a tough game. The Abs are going to win this one, especially if Georgiev is in net. I think, honestly, I think this one might be a little low score. I'm going to say... Let's say four one. The abs. Okay. Game. They kicked Bennington out, by the way. Oh, they kicked him out. Okay. Yeah. It's Grice I mean, going in the net. It's tough to argue, honestly. I think the Blues are gonna they're gonna pretend to be upset about that, but in reality, that's five goals on like twenty four shots for yeah. Bennington. <laughs> that was cool. I still can't believe we were robbed of a goalie fight, man. God damn it. Um, but yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I, I think if you end this road trip getting seven of eight points. That's a very successful road trip. Oh, my God. That is absolutely huge. I mean, it would help if the Blues were useful at all and Bennington could make any saves. It would help us make up some ground on the Wild. But the Wild did lose in overtime to Arizona the other night for everyone who freaked out about us going to OT against Arizona. They lose to Arizona in OT. But looking at the Wild schedule coming up, after this game against the Blues, they have Boston, Washington, New Jersey. So... They could definitely see some losses coming their way pretty soon, which could definitely help out the Avs a lot. And we've talked about the Avs have a pretty cushy schedule the rest of the way. They still have two against the Sharks, one against the Hawks, two against the Ducks, two against the Coyotes, one against the Red Wings, and one against the Senators. Those last two will be knocked off by next episode. Their toughest games left are LA is currently the toughest game they have left according to, to points per game or points percentage. Dallas, Minnesota, Edmonton, Pittsburgh, and Winnipeg, which, according to Tankathon, is the easiest schedule left in the NHL. And we're we're down to sixteen games. It's crazy. It's crazy, dude. It's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. I mean, that Blackhawks game does that not scare you after what the Blackhawks just did to the <laughs> the Bruins last night? <laughs> There's just a weird thing happening at the bottom of the league right now where they just refuse to lose. Where San Jose is doing a masterclass of winning one of their last 10. They're the first team to be officially eliminated from the playoffs. The Canucks have won five in a row. Yeah. Like, what is your problem? Yeah. And the Arizona I, is, is playing good hockey. They're, they're playing, playing good like, hockey. They're on another point streak. Yep. They're on. They're officially out of the Bedard race. Yeah. They, they are on a six-game point streak. Right now, according to 
points percentage, they have the seventh overall pick. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? They are they are out of the Bedard race for, yeah, for both, sure. Both Vancouver and Arizona probably are not going to get Connor Bedard. I also think it's very hypocritical of me to say because I'm mad at the Caps for pushing themselves out of the three percent chance they had for Connor Bedard tonight with the win they had against the Sabers. But even still, I mean, I don't know what a lot of these teams are trying to do by winning right now. But yeah, I mean, the thing about winnable games, games in hand, and games against bad opponents is you still have to beat them they're you not, have to win you have to actually win those games and the reason that the abs are behind in the standings right now is they gave up a lot of those points earlier in the season and they need to make up the ground now so i think it's going to be interesting to see where it all ends up in time and i mean i think the regular season ends in less than a month yeah the 14th yep of april is the final game and the 17th i think they announced today is when the playoffs will start yes you're correct you're correct but it is it's gonna be a wild you know what's great about chicago winning that game against boston that is now on record the biggest like upset win according to sports books since the abs lost to the coyotes in uh the 2020 season yeah. like odds i think the, the chicago was like plus 550 to win that game and they won it outright. So the, the abs are no longer have the worst yeah. loss in wanna, NHL betting history. You want to know why that happened? Because you bet on the Bruins. Yeah. Because I, I had the Bruins as the last thing. I, the only thing that didn't hit in a five-leg parlay was I yep. had them winning in regulation. Because why wouldn't they? They're playing the Blackhawks. But no, I can't win anything ever when it comes yeah. to gambling. Thank God. So, I, thank God. I don't like bet huge amounts. I would be oh, so poor. I'd be the same way, dude. I'd be so far. I, 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 am not a big spender when it comes to gambling. I, I gamble as a hobby. I, I can, like, I gamble just to see, like, I, I literally bet dimes, like one dime on a single thing. It's not bad. Not bad strategy, yeah. but uh, yeah, we think the abs finish this road trip. I think they get seven of eight. You think they get eight of eight, which would be phenomenal. Um, and then we're back on Sunday to recap it all. But there were a couple other things going on in the NHL uh, these past couple days. The biggest story being that Andrei Svechnikov tore his ACL yeah, and, and is done, out for the year. Done for the year, not just the season. He's out for the playoffs as well, which is devastating for the Carolina Hurricanes, a team that I think we've all agreed has always been missing the guy. And Svechnikov is the closest thing they have to being the guy outside of Sebastian Ajo. Like this, I don't want to say it ends their cup chances because they're still a good team. But with the monsters in the East that added at the deadline, you can argue Carolina since the deadline has gotten worse. Yeah, I mean, their biggest addition is what, Jesse Puyarvi and Shane Gostaspair? And Gostaspair has been good, but there's, to be fair, nothing they would have done at the deadline replaces Svechnikov. No. No, that is an absolute gut punch. And that sucks because the Hurricanes were your pick to come out of the East. They, um, uh, yeah, I'm changing that. Got yeah, that's going to be interesting. I, the biggest winners of all of that are the Devils and uh, the Rangers. Uh, yeah. Those are the biggest winners out of that. Yeah, Devils most of all, because that lines them up pretty nicely to to win the the Metropolitan if that holds up. The Hurricanes won last night against the Jets, which helps us yep. out quite a bit. And the Devils got beat pretty badly by the Lightning, who they have to play again. So it's not a done deal, but New Jersey did beat Carolina 3 to nothing on Sunday. And 
and I, I hope they hold on. I mean, I don't want anything to jeopardize New Jersey, New York. We need to see that series. Yeah. It might still happen in the second round if Carolina falls and God, Grice sucks just as much as Bennington. Yeah. Now it's six, four Minnesota a team that never, ever scored. What was I just talking yeah. about? But yeah, um, I totally just lost my train of thought. Thanks, Minnesota. But yeah, yeah, New Jersey and New York needs to happen. If Carolina falls to second, I even with Svechnikov, I think the Rangers still beat them. And I don't think there's any wild card threats in the East. The Penguins no. are not the Penguins are not good. The Islanders, you would think they'd be better. They're but, losing to the Ducks right now. Yeah. And they lost who'd they lose to the to? Kings. Yeah, they lost to the Kings last night. Like you'd think the Islanders would be better, but I feel like every time I look at them, they're losing some important game. I feel like they win all of their important ones. But, but they lose all the the stupid ones that they're supposed to win. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they did get pretty blown out by the Caps, but that's what I mean. Like, there's no wild card threats. I don't see New Jersey or Carolina or Boston losing or really even being that threatened in the first round. I'm saying this as a clip, so it'll get uh, clicks yep. when it eventually does happen in the first round. But the, the East playoffs are shaking out to be pretty interesting. And honestly, we could get very interesting matchups for, for everyone in the first round. If the Avs end up playing the Wild in the first round, if Dallas plays Winnipeg, if Vegas plays Seattle, L.A. plays Edmonton, I think that's almost the perfect first round with the way the, the playoffs look right now at very least. Yeah, it, that's as close as we're going to get to perfect. Um but like uh, Gary Bettman said today, nothing's wrong with the playoff format. Absolutely nothing's wrong with it. Nothing, so. nothing wrong with it at all. Everything is fine. What was his exact quote is, this is working well, despite the fact that everybody hates it. Yeah. Even the players hate it. Yeah. Like this is not just a small group of fans that are complaining about it. You've had multiple players talking about this, like as big as Sidney Crosby talking about this, and they just ignore it. For whatever reason, I don't know if it has to do with advertisers. I, I think there's something about it. like advertisers didn't like the one through eight system and somehow this is better for them. And to be fair, that is Gary Bettman's responsibility is to make sure the league is making money and that advertisers are happy. That is the world that we live in. That's why there are ads on the helmet and why there are so many ads on the boards in every single game. But the one through eight is better. Let's be honest with ourselves here. The East is going to shape up to, I think it will be one through eight. Yeah, it, pre it pretty much will be that right now. I think right now it's almost exactly one through eight, the way things are lined up at the moment. And even in the West, I think the only thing that changes is we would play the Kings and the Wild would play the Oilers. That's the only thing that would be different right now at the very least. So it's, it's not a big difference, but you also have kind of known who you're going to play for the last several weeks. Like, I know we all make fun of Leafs fans for complaining, but they have a very legitimate case oh. in this, where it's like, we've known we're playing Tampa since December. This is boring. And also, why do we have to play Tampa again? <laughs> to be, and to be fair, this year, they would be playing Tampa anyway. But the last several years where the Atlantic has been very top-heavy against the, the Metropolitan, they've had a case. At very oh, yeah. Least. Without a doubt. They've had, they're have they probably the team that's been fucked the most by this. Maybe you can make an argument for the Capitals. Um, it was only a couple of times. Even the, like the Leafs year over year have probably gotten the short end more. I mean, I always go back to 2017 in the East. Like the biggest failure of this playoff system that we have ever seen 
where you can argue the only two teams that didn't get fucked over in the first round were the Capitals and the Leafs who played each other, which would have been the one through it anyway. Everything else was so backwards. It was hilarious where you had the second best team in the league playing the fourth best team in the league with Pittsburgh and Columbus, a team in the Rangers who, if they didn't lose their last game of the season would have been starting on the road against a team. They would have had a better record than, and a team like Ottawa, who was, I believe like sixth in the East playing the seventh team or the something like that. Yeah. They were playing the seventh team in the East in Boston. And then against the Rangers, who had a better record than them, had home ice advantage in the next round, which is so unbelievably backwards that Ottawa's path was the seventh team and the fifth team, and Pittsburgh had to play number three and number one to get to the Eastern Conference Final. Yeah, but but the the NHL looks at that as that's an anomaly. Like, that hasn't happened all the time. Yeah. The fact that that's even possible is ridiculous. Could you imagine if that Stanley Cup final would have been San Jose versus Ottawa? I think that would have been. Or would that have been Nashville? It it would have been Anaheim. It was Anaheim and Nashville that year in the West. In 2017. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Could you imagine if it was Nashville versus Ottawa? That would have been the least watched Stanley Cup final. At least Nashville was exciting that season. I don't think anyone would have watched Anaheim, Ottawa. No. It it would have been at least a rematch of a previous final, but that would have had like 50 viewers. Yeah, it would have been really bad. (laughs) But I wanted to talk to you about this. Um, I I don't know what has happened on my TikTok feed, but all of a sudden Ranger TikToks are popping up. Um, And I want to know how depressed were you Game five against the the Rangers where they scored with like four seconds left to tie the game. Why are How you, were you mentally at that point? Why are you making me relive this right now? No, I just want to know because I've known you now for almost a year and a half and I've seen how crazy you are. And you said you were crazier back then. Christian, so, my dear friend, you have no idea. Yeah, I don't know if I, I would have wanted to know you. Insane I used to be. Like at that point when that happened, I was 14. Do you know how crazy a 14-year-old hockey fan is who just saw the heart get ripped out of his chest for three straight games? Yeah. Or that game, I mean, I was I was in eighth grade at that point. I'm definitely aging myself here. But I was in eighth grade watching that with my brother, and we thought we had it. The, the <laughs> There's Joel four Ward, seconds left. <laughs> the Joel Ward goal that was disallowed had us, like, livid. And Ryan McDonough scores that goal with just over a minute left right as Lundqvist gets pulled. And then no, it was Kreider who scored that goal. McDonough scores the winner in overtime. Game six, they're down. They make a late comeback and fall short. Game seven is probably one of the worst experiences of my life to that point because it didn't get better for a couple of years after that. 2017 almost had me like stop being a hockey fan. Yeah, no, I, I just, you say you, you've calmed down and I just watched that TikTok and I just can't, I've watched games with you. I've watched playoff games with you. Uh, I, I was like, I don't even want to know what he was like because they were literally four seconds away from going up three, two and going back home with a chance to win it. No, no, we would have won the series. We were up three to one. Oh, really? Yeah. It, w- it wasn't four seconds left. There was a little over a minute, but we were up three, one. That would have ended the series. We hold on and win that game. We blew a three to one lead. Oh, it's even worse. Yeah. I just, I know I was there. I, 
I wasn't mean enough to send it to you, but I watched that and I was like, I just can't imagine what he was like because he says Christian, he's calmed down. Christian, <laughs> you could right now play that on your phone and I would know the sounds of it because oh. it haunts me. Like I, The worst I, part about it is it's such a great call by Doc Emmerich too. It is, it's like, so great. The Derek Stepan goal, I know word for word the call. Yeah. I know every sound of the puck. It is a flashback in my oh. head. And 20, 2016, where they lost to the Penguins the first time, which would have been a devastating loss for anyone, is probably maybe fifth on my list. <laughs> Why do we do this to ourselves? Why are we hockey I, fans? Like, there is last year for the abs is the anomaly because it 99% of the time, this is going to end in heartbreak. You're yeah. going to be pissed off about it. So I always sit back and I'm like, yeah, I would love the fact that we won that the cup, but they're. 99% of my time watching hockey has been a miserable experience. Most of my hockey life has has been abject agony. Yeah. It's only since 2018 have I genuinely started to enjoy it. Where the Avs, for outside of really one year of my life prior to the McKinnon-McCarr era, really did much of anything as much as I can remember. Because yeah. I was one year old when they won their last Stanley Cup. Oh, yeah. I don't remember anything from it. And by the time I was old enough to be like cognizant of them and what was going on, they had like a good push against the Sharks one time. And then they had a really good season and it ended in the worst possible way in the first round. I still have so much pain about that. We, I was a freshman in college when that happened. Now imagine Uh, that. But instead of it happening once, it happened every year of your life over and over again. We got in so much trouble with our RA because we were watching that in our dorm and we got a noise complaint um, when that happened. I was so pissed off after that Nino Niederreiter goal. I did not talk to my friends for almost 48 hours. Like I was so angry because that Avs team was not good. They they had no business being as good as they were. If it wasn't for Simeon Varlamov, they would have been atrocious. Also the biggest travesty, he didn't win the Vesna that year. Um I, I don't know why we do this to ourselves, man, because it is – I'm still at that age. I, I can't wait to the, get to the point because my dad is 56, yeah, and sports don't affect him anymore. Like he's he, he just enjoys watching them, and I'm like, I don't know how you do that. Like it is – it ruins my day. Like I legit have days ruined by sports. Some of the worst days of my life have been following right. it because like in, in high school – I was the Caps guy. I was the hockey guy. Can you imagine the people who enjoyed my suffering oh. after 2017, after one of like the most painful experiences of my life of 2016, at least it wasn't in seven, and we just were getting totally crushed in that series. 2017, we are down three to one in this series. Game five, you get a nice win, you get it back. Game six, Burakovsky has two goals, and they win big in that game. I'm feeling good. I've never been more hyped for a game than 2017, game seven. I was ready I was ready to go on the ice myself. I was ready for war that day. And they put out the worst performance to this day that I have ever seen and get blanked two to nothing. Like, I was I, – I, I didn't even cry. I was not angry. I was – devastated like i was <laughs> broken it took me months to even stop thinking about it 
because that's I was, the worst I was, part, man. I was embarrassed. Like I was embarrassed to be. I, I was embarrassed to go to school the next day because yeah. I knew I was gonna hear it. And I that's how it. I am at work, man. Anytime the Avs lose, they're like, Christian, what's going on with this team? I'm like, I don't fucking know, man. <laughs> like, I just watch the games. And it's just, it's the worst. Cause like, that's what the, my, uh, my customers at work say like, oh, what's going on with the Avs this year, Christian? I'm like, I don't fucking know. I'm, I'm work. I don't want to deal with this right now. Like, yeah, they've lost three in a row. I don't know what the fuck's going on, man. But uh, yeah, I'm sorry to bring that up, but I just had, I, we haven't talked about that. And it popped up on my, uh, my TikTok and I was like, I had to have known what your reaction was because I can't imagine it was good. No, it was not. The thing is, I think 2018 was the peak of my insanity because it was happening in front of me. And any sense that it was going to get taken away, like had me like blinded with literal rage. Like I'm not telling the story. I didn't do anything bad. I didn't break anything. I did not destroy any property. I did not hurt anyone. No one was harmed in my war path. I want to make that very clear, but I was very dramatic back then i still am dramatic but not nearly to the extent that i am because 2018 that was the year they went down two nothing to the blue jackets right in the first round i was at game two i was there and i watched it happen live and i thought i broke my hand leaving like i literally thought like i just broke my fucking hand doing that didn't i (laughs) and then against tampa where they were up to nothing in that series i was at game four where that series got tied off of a late third period goal. Like I was so like, there's no, you can't take this from me now. We're right here. You can't do this to me. You get past second round. Yeah. I I don't know, man. I, I, I just always sit back sometimes and my girlfriend cracks me up because she just could not give two fucks in the world about sports. And I just, I wonder what my life would be like if I didn't have sports, I'd probably be a lot happier of a person. Um, I'd probably be a lot skinnier. Uh, but God damn it. Hockey is a great sport. And we have episodes like this where you talk about two dominant wins and you're like, yeah, I fucking love it. Whereas a week ago we had episode where it was like, yeah, the abs may not be very good. So it's the ultimate roller coaster. And that's why we enjoy it. It's the ups and the downs and every once in a while you win. And, and the fun thing is for some people, they will never see their team win for as long as they live. They will go their entire life and never see them win once. So we're very lucky that, I'm a fan of two teams and I have seen both of them win in my lifetime. And the funny thing is I might never see either of them win again because that's just how sports work. Sometimes I think again, to clarify, I think the abs are going to win plenty before this core is done, but crazier things have happened. Like the, what was the Cubs drought? Like a hundred and 107 years. It was like 107, 109 years or something. Like someone who was born at the start of that did not see it. Nope which is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, you have Cleveland teams that like the, the, the guardians have never won um, or they haven't won since like 1962. Like there's droughts. There was big time. I, I've been very spoiled in my life. Uh, I've seen the abs win three cups. I've seen the Broncos win three super bowls. The nuggets are the nuggets and the Rockies had that one world series run and yeah, they got they, swept. They but, did something. They went to a world series, which yeah. is more than a lot of teams can say. Right. Is, is so the longest drought the the Kings, like the Sacramento Kings. I'm pretty I sure. I want to say it's it's an NFL team. It might be the Lions. Because I the I'm looking this up. The Sacramento Kings are at 71 years. Okay. Yeah. The NFL is Super Bowl. They don't have the Super. Why don't they not have the Super Bowl on here? They it's either have- the Lions or the Browns because they've never been to one. 
that I'm look I'm trying to look at the Super Bowl drought, but they only have playoff droughts on here, which is the Jets. And yeah, it's it's the Lions or the Browns. Oh no, it's the Guardians. They're 73 years. Yeah. Championship. But yeah, I mean, life sports make you miserable, but they also bring the like I will never forget that game six win. Like that that is going to be one of the like I still watch that video of the countdown. I still get goosebumps to this day. Like I, I can't believe how perfectly that run went. Like even just for me personally, the yeah. only thing that would have been better is if I was there for, for game one of the final to see that happen live. But I still have that video of me in my very small living room, watching that happen and literally breaking into tears. Right. I couldn't believe that just happened. Like Speaking of that, when is Burakovsky coming back? He's been out for like two months now. He's been on my IR forever. I do not have the heart to drop yeah. him. But I don't either. I mean, my fantasy hockey team's done so. Like, I just, I've given up. But yeah, it, it's going to be, I just, sports are the best, but they're also, they will break your heart more than you will feel positive things. Yeah. So I, I was not expecting this conversation. You've brought me down a, a, a memory lane I try to repress. I'm sorry. I, I just, I, I wanted to send it to you, but I wanted to save it for the show to get your true reaction. Um, yeah, the, my but, genuine reaction of why are you doing this? <laughs> like, you, like you have me locked in an electric chair. I mean, this last hour has just been crazy fucking chaos on this podcast. We had Bennington and Flurry almost fight. We have this, like, it's just, this has gone off the rails. So um, do you have any other final thoughts about these two games against the Canadians and the Leafs? Um, and any parting words of wisdom before we go into uh, Ottawa today, by the time you're listening to this in Michigan, Michigan, <laughs> Detroit on Saturday, you're in the right state. I'm in the right state. You're in the right place. I mean, I, these two games were pretty perfect to be honest, perfect offensively against the Habs and perfect defensively against the Leafs. And if you can get both at the same time, then this team's going to be pretty unstoppable. Even it's just so weird to think about like a month from today, we're going to be in that limbo between the regular season and the playoffs. We're going to know who we're playing. Going to be done with the regular season. It's going to be time to to do all this again. feels like it hasn't been that long, but it's going to be an incredibly fun run to the end of the season. We'll see if the abs can catch up in the central. We'll be back on Monday talking about these two games against Ottawa and Detroit and hoping that the, the abs can make up some ground and hopefully the blues can get some saves in this game and allow us to make some ground up on the wild and see where this all goes in time. But that's going to be it for us on this edition of the tell it abs. It is podcast on the hockey podcast network. Thank you all so very much for tuning in as always use promo code tell it abs. It is on SeatGeek for $20 off your first order of $50 or more. Oh, and before I do forget, because I was going to mention this earlier, I didn't. We are running a March Madness Bracket Challenge on ESPN. I have the link on our Twitter page. I'll be sure to retweet that before the end of the night, before this episode goes up. And the winner gets a jersey of their choice from us. We will buy you a jersey if you have the best bracket and you have proof that it's yours, because I know people try to get free shit. But if you win and you can provide us with irrefutable evidence that that is your bracket and that you are the one at the top, we will buy you a jersey of your choice as long as it's not like $500. We'll get you we'll get you any Avs jersey of your choice if you win. Only one winner, but you got to join it and you got to join before the tournament starts because it will lock. If you are not in by the time the tournament starts, it will lock because I don't want someone coming in on the last day and being like, I have a really good bracket. I'm going to throw something in here and get free shit. So you got to get in there before it locks. But 
just for fun. You never know, right? It's March Madness. Crazy shit happens if you win. We'll buy you a jersey. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at GYoungsNHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore Belay. And you can follow the show at Tell It As It Is. But again, thank you all so very much for tuning in. And we will catch you all next time. But until then, let's go Abs. <laughs>